She knocks on the door three times. But there's no reply. That's not unusual. It's just before six in the morning. This is the best time to catch people at home. Not yet awake. Not at work. Not off their faces on drink or drugs. Not generally, anyway. Her colleague taps the window with the knuckle of his index finger. There's a glow from the television in the gap between the curtains. But there's no movement or sound from inside. Think we'd better get Doris to work, she says, picking up the door enforcer. It takes her two smacks of the battering ram for the door to give way. There's resistance from the other side. He pushes the door harder. It doesn't budge. Want some help there? She says, laughing. Fuck off, he says, as a droplet of sweat runs down his left temple. She puts both her hands on the door, at waist height, standing on tiptoes as she pushes. Slowly, it opens. The mountain of mail is almost a third of the height of the door. Shit, he says, treading over the pile. It looks like no one's opened this door in years. Or someone's made it look like that, she says, following him inside. How would they have done that? Jumped out of the window afterwards? Just an idea, she shrugs. But we're not paid for our ideas, are we? It's only council tax arrears, he says. It's not like we're searching for drugs. She sniffs the air. It's a bit musty in here. A really weird, sweet smell, like a rubbish dump. Weird, he says, opening the door to one of the bedrooms. It's pretty tidy so far. There are photos on the hallway wall. Various framed pictures of the same couple. In most of them, they're smiling. She follows him into the kitchen. Jesus Christ, he says, walking over to the sink. There's a bowl of unwashed dishes, covered in cobwebs. The mould has decayed into dust. A plastic milk bottle stands on the counter. He picks it up, giving it a shake. It sounds as though rocks are inside. What's the date on the bottle? She says, looking around the tiny kitchen. The clock has stopped on a quarter to twelve. The shelves above the fridge are also draped in thick cobwebs. 24th of March, he says, leaning towards the window for light. 2017. Bloody hell, she says. How could this place have been empty for so long? He shrugs. I'm going for a look around. She ducks her head around the door to a small bathroom. There are bottles of shampoo and shower gel on the windowsill. The first bedroom is neat, tidy. The double bed has a navy throw tucked in with hospital corners. The second bedroom has shoes and women's clothes littered on the floor. A sparkly dress hangs on a metal coat hanger from the curtain rail. In here, he shouts from another room. She recognizes the panic in his voice. They've worked together for three years. Though I don't think they're going anywhere, he says as she reaches the doorway to the living room. Lying on the sofa, facing the television, is a body. Not much of it is left. The face, arms and hands are little more than skeletal remains. 
A shroud of black is stained on the sofa around it. She drops to the floor, her hand covering her nose and her mouth. Is it a man or a woman? She says, almost breathless. She wants to be at home, shower the death from her skin, breathe in the fresh air and be free from the decay in this flat. That's what the smell was. Decay. I don't know, he says quietly. I can't tell from the clothes. He takes out his phone. Police, please. She looks around the living room. On the coffee table are two wine glasses stained red at the bottom. On the floor near the settee, inches from the corpse's dangling hand, are three wrapped presents. She glances at the body again. Its face is lit by the glow of the snow on the soundless television. A face that couldn't be seen from the gap between the curtains. A face that nobody has missed for almost two years. <laughs>